You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series which explores the connections between the Parsha Shavuah and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database with Rabbi Shua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha's Parsha's Ve'ero, the Shir is being dedicated to Lili Nishma, Simi Marasi, Chayarachal, Bastavit Tzvi, Harini Kaparas Meshkava, and indeed all of these Shir moving forward as well should be dedicated to Lili Nishmasa. Now as we look at the Half Torah for Parsha's Ve'ero, which comes to us this week from Sefer Yechezkel, this is the second time that we are visiting Yechezkel as a Haftarah. The very first time in the cycle of Parshas HaShavua that we saw Yechezkel was three weeks ago for Parshas Vayigash. And one thing that I did not mention then that I'll mention now is that Sefer Yechezkel typically has the reputation of being a very complicated and esoteric book of Navi, that the prophecies are a little bit hard to understand. And I would say that it really only has that reputation due to the opening chapters, which discusses the Maisa Merkava, very famously, the account of the chariot, the descriptions of angels and different kinds of angels. And that chapter is a very hard chapter, which Chazal already teaches is not a chapter that's meant for in-depth analysis. But I would say that really, that's where the heavy lifting in Yechezka would be, if anywhere. And not to suggest that the entire book of Yechezkel is really easy, but it's definitely much easier than we think of it. Um, and um, we were able to have a very fair and easy read of Yechezkel Paraklamid Zion when we saw the Haftarah for Parshas Vayigash. And I would say, similarly, for this Haftarah, it's not such a hard, um, it's not such a difficult read. The, the prophecies in Yechezkel more or less read like prophecies that you would find in Yeshayahu or Yirmiyahu, the two other long Nevi'im Achronim that we find um, that are frequently used for Haftarahs. So although there are obviously stylistic differences between Yechezkel, Yeshayahu, and Yirmiyahu, and if you're very well versed in it, you can tell the difference just by reading the Psukim. You can tell which Navi it is. Um, but that said, um, Yechezkel um, brings us a few Haftarahs a year that are not so difficult to read through, and just a matter of doing what we normally do, and that is to see the connection between the parsha and its Haftarah. And not just to see the connection, but to really understand how that Haftarah reflects in the best possible way a theme of the parsha. And I think that for Parsha's Ve'era, we will be able to actually find a, a deeper connection which can justify the read, but I want to preface with a challenge that I've done in the past, and that is to suggest a possible alternative Navi choice. Of course, a Navi choice that was not chosen by our Masora, by our tradition. But just to point out that if you wanted to, if it was just a question of connections, can you find the connection somewhere out there in Tanakh, in Navi, that you can somehow shout out the Parsha? So oftentimes you definitely can do that. And it's not a question of, ooh, can we find one little link that connects the two? So i rather say that there's, an, there's a deeper, that there is a more intimate connection between the Parsha Shavu and the Haftarah. And that's what we're going to try to find this week, as we typically do. So when we look at the, uh, the Haftarah for Va'era, which the Parsha Va'era, at least, we know continues the larger story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, or the Exodus from Egypt, and as we mentioned last week for Parsha Shemos, it should not be too difficult to choose an appropriate uh, Haftarah reading from Navi, which, as we've mentioned in the past, frequently revisits the topic of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Um, the Exodus is the basis of our founding as a nation, and it's shouted out many times in Navi. 
So again, if you're just looking for a shout out, there are plenty of options, right? But what's the best option? So as we'll recall from our discussion last week for the Haftar for Parsha Shemos, which uniquely had two different Mesoros between Ashkenazic customs and the Sephardic customs, right? we saw that the Ashkenazic Haftar selection um, did not even explicitly reference the story of the Exodus. Um, and Egypt was only mentioned a couple of times in passing. Nonetheless, we were able to underscore some other important points in that Haftarah, which highlighted even deeper and more fundamental themes in the Sidra, all without even referencing the surface story about the nation's suffering in Egypt. And having said that, I think the Eras Haftarah fundamentally differs from that of Shemos, in the sense that in Va'ir's Haftarah, so Egypt or Mitzrayim is not merely mentioned in passing, but in fact it is front and center as the subject and recipient of the prophecy. So as we mentioned, the reading is taken from a series of prophecies against various nations in the world, um, and this time from Yechezkel. And in particular, um, this Haftarah, Yechezkel targets the contemporary Mitzrayim of his time, and he proceeds to describe its eventual downfall. And again, that's in Yechezkel 28-25, goes to 19-21. Oh, so 29-21, excuse me. So I would say that knowing nothing else, this reading sounds like a great choice for a sidra about Hashem repeatedly warning and smiting ancient Egypt, right? the ancient Mitzrayim. So Yechezkel says that Mitzrayim is going to experience a downfall. And we know in Parshish Ve'era, Hashem basically says that Mitzrayim is going to experience a downfall. And it unfolds before us in the Parsha. However, if that simple connection is the only basis for using this reading from Yechezkel's Torah, then we might ask why this reading is a better choice than, say, Yeshayahu Perak Yud Tes, Yeshaya 19, which is also a segment from a series of prophecies against the nations of the world. In other words, we find a very similar phenomenon, I don't even know if I would call it a phenomenon, but we find it in Neviyam Achronim, a, a frequent occurrence where the Navi will have a series of prophecies targeted at different nations. And Mitzrayim is featured both in Yeshayahu's series and he's featured in Yechezkel's series. And we know that when it comes to Haftarah, the most frequently featured Haftarah or the most frequently featured Navi for a Haftarah is Yeshayahu. So clearly we're veering away from that when we take a look here at Yechezkel. And we have, again, options from both. And... And I, again, I'm not suggesting that we should just choose Yeshayahu because he's the more common choice for Haftarah. But isn't it interesting that where we have a very frequently used Navi and we have no problem using his prophecies frequently for our Haftarah, that we've instead chosen to go with a reading from Yechezkel. So the question is, what would be the difference between the two Navi passage choices and why we went with Yechezkel? So let's take a look at um, a little bit from each of them. So Yeshayahu Perak Test, which once again is not our Haftarah, so it features a prophecy against Egypt. And this piece of Navi is not featured in any Haftarah, by the way. It was just something that I landed on when I was learning Yeshayahu myself. But the concept of Yeshayahu Yudtes is basically the same as our reading from Yechezkel. Not to suggest it's a parallel reading, but it. But speaking of the word parallel, Yeshayahu 19 actually contains some very fascinating textual parallels to the Exodus story 
that we are so familiar with. For example, Yeshayahu talks about how Hashem is going to target the Nile, causing it to dry up and become foul. Um, we find that in Sukkim Hey through Yud in Yeshayahu 19. And that's slightly reminiscent of the plague of Dam, of blood, which we find in our Parsha this week. Yeshayahu even describes how at the end of its punishment, Egypt will realize that God is in the midst of the land, a recurring phrase in the educational process that Hashem had said would happen through the plagues in this story of Parsha's Ve'era. So considering the above, it seems that we have a great argument, at least, for the option of Yeshayahu Yudtes as a Haftarah for Ve'era. And of course, it's not the Haftarah, so the question is, what makes Yechezkel Chafches through Chaftes a more appropriate selection? So before we get into the reading itself, we have to understand that, just like what we saw from Yeshayahu, Yechezkel doesn't merely prophesy about the fate of a more modern Egypt, but the Novi actually appears to also specifically display shades of the original Exodus story. But even so, there must be something more there. The Aftara must highlight a fundamental theme of Vaera to justify its reading. At least that's what I suggest. So what does Yechezkel do and, and what does it talk about and give us towards that goal? From the outset of this Haftar, Yechezkel recounts Hashem's warning that he will execute judgment against the Bnei Shal's oppressors and that as a result, they will know that I am Hashem, their God. And that's not just a quote from Sefer Shemos, that's a quote from Yechezkel, that they're going to know that I'm Hashem, their God. Obviously, basic themes of the Exodus. But then, unlike what we see in the prophecy from Yeshaya, Yechezkel actually turns attention to Paro specifically. Again, it's the Paro of his time. Uh, but he turns to Parah, whereupon he is told to prophesy against him and the entire Egypt, respectively. And we find that in the very second um, Pasuk in Parah in Tess, so it's Pasuk Beis in Chav Tess, where he turns his attention to Parah. And this factor is quite significant, especially considering that the story of the Exodus really revolves heavily around the Parah of the earlier generation. So what does the Navi here have to say to the Parah of that later generation? So when addressing Paro, the Navi refers to him as Melech Mitzrayim, the king of Mitzrayim, Hatanim Hagadol, which literally means the beast of the sea or the sea monster, Haravitz Besochi Orav, who is crouching inside in the midst of his river, Asher Amar Li Yeori Va'ani Asisini, he says, mine is the river and I have made it. So this is in the very third Pasuk in Chavtes. So not subtly at all, the Navi depicts with great imagery and poetry the man who Paro was, the Paro of the story of Shemos. Notice how this Paro does not just say that the Nile River is his, but with very obvious redundancy, he declares, Li-Ori, my river is mine. Paro in the times of Yechezkel no differently than in the times of Sefer Shemos, lived in his own world where he is a god, and no force can say or do anything otherwise anything to defy that. And it's in response to this attitude and ideology that the Yalkut Shimoni, Shmos Zion Kufpe Aleph, so it's Shmos 7181 in the Yalkut Shimoni, the Medrash there explains that in Parshas Ve'era, God sent Moshe to uh, Moshe and Aaron to Paro to turn the staff into a tanin, a sea serpent. Right? It doesn't use the word nachash in this part of the story. It uses the word tanin, the same lashon, um, with slightly different spelling. Um, it's what we find in our haftarah. And the purpose was 
specifically to denounce and debunk Paro's mythological fantasies, as if to say, see this staff, it's a piece of dry wood, and it shall become a tannin with life and soul and swallow up all the other staffs. And it is destined to revert to a piece, a dry piece of wood. And the same is true of you, says the Medrash. I created you from a putrid drop and gave you an empire. And you, on the other hand, boasted and said, my river is my own and I've made it for myself. So says the Medrash, continuing, behold, I shall turn you back to utter nothingness. You swallowed up all the staffs of the tribes of the Bnei Israel. Behold, I shall cause you to expel all you have swallowed. Thus says the Medrash. So furthermore, as Hashem had begun his onslaught of Mitzrayim by turning the Nile to blood, which killed all of the fish, the Navi here describes how God would hook the sea giant by the cheeks and draw him and all of the Nile's fish out of the water in Yechezkel, Chavtes, Dalud, through Hay. So 29, 4, and 5. So again, we see themes being paralleled upon, but here the focus is on Paro and the Nile River, which we know is... Um, stricken a, a, a few times in our story, at least uh, at least twice for two of the Makos, and of course the theme of the Tanin, which, by the way, is something to think about, something that I don't think we addressed earlier, and the question is, why Hashem even had the staff turn into a, a snake or a Tanin, a sea monster, in the first place, if that was a trick that was very easily duplicated by the Mitzrayim, why would Hashem target Paro with such an easy trick, which of course did not even convince Paro because all the children of Egypt were able to do the same trick, which the Medrash tells us as well. So why would he do that? But apparently it's to send a message and it's just to get the ball rolling. But the point is that Hashem focuses in on the Nile and the sea creature, the sea monster, as a reference to Paro himself. There are deeper messages and not just a plain mo-face, a plain trick that Moshe is supposed to perform, but the, but it's laden with symbolism. And I think that's something that we can't ignore here, especially when we consider um, the the early stages of Hashem's response to Paro, which at first seem weak. But when we consider this background, they are very, very, again, they are, they're very uh, laden with symbols. So keep that in mind. And let's... Consider how, as the Navi continues, it once again reiterates the resounding theme of the Ten Plagues, that they will know that I am Hashem. Because again, we find that in Chavtes, Vav through Tes, the Pesach says the same thing. But this time, the Navi emphasizes that Hashem targeted Paro because of his claim that he created the Nile. Based on not only the Medrash, but really the entire Exodus story, these two components, Paro and the Nile, are major players. Moshe is constantly told to meet Paro at the Nile, and the Nile, we know, was the provider of Egypt's water supply, and it was the destroyer of the Hebrew children, and Paro is the self-professed king of that Nile. Thus, the Navi's focus on the Nile and Paro's relationship with the Nile seem to be the critical components of the Haftar. Now, my point once again is that the Nile is quite significant in the story. It itself is a symbol. So the Navi's focus on the Nile and Paro's relationship with that Nile are important. They are critical components of the Haftar and really of the story. But the question is, why are Paro and the Nile so significant to the larger Exodus story? The reason is that if we would just view the Exodus as a story about an oppressive nation versus a vulnerable people whom God was gracious enough to save, that would not suffice. Right? I wouldn't say die into that. 
one would be missing something from the story. Because although a prophecy about the doom of Egypt, like that which we might find in Ishayahu, would be a great reading to supplement the story that features Israel versus Egypt, the story of Exodus is hardly one about Israel versus Egypt. And I think that's the point. More so than the Egyptian people, it was Paro who was so stubborn in his irrational denial of Hashem and self-aggrandizing attitude that he continued to put himself and his own nation, actually, in danger, even when the nation itself was ready to submit. Right? It's not just about one people targeting another people. Yes, the Egyptian people allowed their monarch to act as he did and could only follow his direction. But the backdrop of the Exodus story is about the decisions and thought processes of an agnostic paro, without whom there would have been no makos at all. Right? The story of Va'ir is about the makos. And who was the one that caused the makos? You could say it was Hashem in a certain sense, but it was really Paro. Paro through his decisions and hardening his own heart. We know that, yes, at a certain point, Hashem hardened his heart as well. But this is about the theological battle that Paro has with Hashem. Right? Not, not necessarily a physical battle. Right? There would be no competition, as we're going to see in next week's Parsha for Bo. But if it was just about a mean and oppressive Egyptian people, and which, by the way, that's what some people think the story is, especially, you know, in the world today when they, when they look back and they think about um, all of the, um, you know, all, all of the new contemporary concepts, even though some of them are older than we, we think, but, the, but, you know, the, the ones that are popular now in, in the realms of social justice and things like that, we think it's about oppression and slavery. And, and certainly those were definitely important in, in the story, but in the, in the story that the Torah is telling us, it's about so much more than that. So, because right, again, if it's just about a mean and oppressive people, we could just forget about the Makos and skip to the splitting of the Sea of Reeds, the Amsif, where Hashem ultimately judges the Egyptians. The plagues were, as we explained, served as a, they, they served as a reality check to put to rest Tapara's ego and thereby clarify to him, his people, and most importantly to the Bnei Israel, that beyond any shadow of doubt, Hashem is the only true God involved in the world, and that there is no one like him in the entire world. Right? That's really what the story of Parshas Va'era and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is about. It's not about how slavery is bad. And we could have a separate discussion about, um, how, um, about slavery being bad. We actually had a conversation about that on the Real Talk Torah series as well a couple of years ago um, for Parshas Mishpatim. Oh, man, uh, my, my, my older brother joined me for a conversation about that. Um, and s- certainly oppressing people is, 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 is evil. But that's not what Parshas Ve'era is about. Parshas Ve'era is about Hashem introducing himself to Paro and to the Israel. And I think that's what we're told about in this passage in Yechezkel. We have once again a stubborn Egyptian king who claims once again to be the creator of his river, his own little world. And it's not just a mean and oppressive king and people, but the ideology and the attitude of the said society and its leader that make them the perfect pawns for Hashem's master plan, for Hashem to make an exhibit out of, an example out of, for the Bnei Israel to behold. This self-same process is what Hashem begins to execute in Vaira. The message of the Haftarah, I believe, is quite clear, that the Jews, as well as the quote-unquote Egypt of every generation, and again, we're not talking about um, the 
slaveholders of every generation. We're talking about those who deny God and act based on that denial. So they will be forced to all recognize the truth that Hashem is the only true power in this world and in all worlds. The nations who ignore this reality and oppress Hashem's children based on that ignorance or that, that claim to ignorance, so they will be retaught this lesson. In the meantime, we, the Bnei Israel, would be wise to remember this lesson and meditate on it constantly because it's relevant to us no differently. We don't live in our own little world. We are, in a certain sense, our own little worlds, but we are all components of Hashem's world. And we are in Hashem's world where He will reign supreme no matter what. Instead of stubbornly shrugging off this reality like the self-professed king of the Nile, we should realize that there's only one Hashem. He is indeed intimately involved in the world, and there is no one like Him in the entire world. May we all be zochah to humbly recognize and subject ourselves to the true King of Kings, to serve Him to the best of our abilities, and thereby merit His protection and redemption from exile once again with the coming of Mashiach from Herb Yamenu. Have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos, and remember, if you enjoy this podcast and other shiurim like it, and you want to partner up with us here at the database with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group for updates and links for every uploaded shiur, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at the database.